Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Tennis.com podcast. I'm your host, Nina Pantic. This episode features Maria Sakari. She is ranked number 22 in the world. Irina Falcone, my co-host, and I are going to break down this interview that I had with Maria a couple weeks ago. She's had quite a year in this abbreviated season, reaching the fourth round of the U.S. Open, the quarterfinals in Cincy, the third round of the French Open, and then the semifinals in Ostrava to wrap up her season. And she's someone that puts a lot of pressure on herself going into each tournament expecting to win. So let's jump into the interview I had with Maria Sakari. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Thank you for your time, first of all. No worries. So obviously the French Open had been different than New York, but everyone's talked so much about the conditions this year. Is it that different than the French Open you played last year in the spring? Yeah, of course. I mean, even though in springtime you can have some cold days and rainy days here in Paris, of course, um, you know, my first round match was, I think, the coldest day and we played in the rain. So think like the ball just turned brown. You couldn't see any yellow. Uh, from the ball um, but to be honest you know it's just you have to accept it embrace it and just be grateful that you have the opportunity to play another Grand Slam um, even though it's you know under these conditions. You've made the fourth round of a Grand Slam twice and the French Open you made the third round what kind of expectations do you put on yourself going into a major? Well I do put I mean I think um, that's what makes me you know a good player that I have expectations for myself I have I'm coming here with the mindset of winning the tournament of course uh, it's a long way to go but I'm not coming here to to win two matches and be like ah okay I made third round no um, that's not my mentality and um, I know that I can do it and you know shown some great tennis this year especially um, great mentality as well and I think that I don't see why not going deep deep here or in the next major how do you unwind and stay entertained in all of these different bubbles? When you're in a tournament, especially in a slam, uh, stress level is like up to here. So let's say in Australia that we were not in a bubble. I had room service most of the nights because I just wanted to be as relaxed as I could. Um, so it's not a big difference. It's just the fact that you cannot go out. That's what makes most of the players, you know, uh, feeling a little bit trapped. But to be honest, I have a great team that makes it so much better. You know, we're having a lot of fun uh, with Tom and Daniel. So, um, you know, good food, uh, good company on the phone, my friends back home. 
I, I cannot complain. I've seen nothing, you know, negative uh, from my side. So I kind of like it. I think I'm going to be uh, sad once this <laughs> bubble thing is over um, because I feel less stressed, I have to say. Wow, that's a good perspective to have. And you mentioned your team. So Tom Hill and then who's Daniel? Daniel's my physio and Tom is, of course, my coach. Is it fun working with a team that's so young? So we're all 25 years old, me, Tom and Daniel, which makes it so fun, you know. But of course, work, working with Tom, it's so easy. I mean, you have nothing to worry about. He takes care of most of the things before I even tell him. Um, he's so relaxed. I have nothing, you know, nothing to complain about. And I just enjoy every every time, yeah, you know, I'm on the court with him. So um, it's great to have, the, you know, these people around when they're not like a family member, you know. What was the quarantine experience like for you? I know you're Greek, but you're based in Monte Carlo. So what was the quarantine like? I was in Greece because um, I just wanted to be, you know, with my family at that time. And um, my brother and my sister came back also. So we spent the whole time together, which was amazing. Um, you know, I got to train a lot um, in my fitness and stuff because that was the only thing I could do outdoors. And um, just started playing tennis after five weeks since I came back from um, uh, Indian Wells. It was, it was nice, I have to say. I enjoyed home. Your mom, Angelique, was a top 40 WTA pro. I feel like no one really talks about that so much. So what is that like? Has she influenced your career a lot? Um, yeah, of course. I mean, she, she's more a mom now, um, which, you know, it's nice. But she always has some, um, some you know, um, things, like good things to say. And, uh, oh, I forgot the word now. Um, like advice? Like advices. Yeah, advices. Um, so, you know, she has been here. Um, actually, she stopped when she was 25. So it's, imagine like me stopping now. There's no, absolutely no chance. Um, but, you know, it's great to have someone that really knows what you're going through. Um, she's, she's a great supporter. Does she still hit? Does she play with you ever? Oh, that's so, um, that's a thing that, you know, I'm actually complaining about to her because I'm like, she works out a lot in the gym, like every day with her personal trainer, but um, she doesn't play. I think I'm going to convince her to, you know, to start hitting again. Does she watch all of your matches and have comments for you afterward? Oh, yeah. And she's, she's more stressed than any other parent. And that makes it even, you know, more weird because she has been in my position. Um, so I think she really knows when I'm stressed. So she's even more stressed. But funny enough, like when she's back home, Let's say she's watching my match. She has this game on her phone. It's called Candy Crush. I think you might know it. She's watching my match and playing that game just to make her more relaxed. That is so relatable, though. Did she ever hands-on coach you when you were little? Um, she helped me out a few times when I was when I didn't have a coach. But when I was little, I was practicing with my grandfather because he was my mom's coach um, up until I was 12 or 13 and then I just you know worked with some other people but my mom was there with me when she called herself the emergency coach so when I was without a coach she was you know stepping in so does she ever have advice that's annoying for you or is it always really helpful it's one thing that annoys me a lot is like 
make first serves. And I'm like, okay, mom, thank you very much. I know that I have to make first serves. It's like, just, just put it in, just, you know, kick it. I'm like, come on, mom, I'm not playing under 12. I'm, <laughs> I'm competing with players. I have to hit the serve. And she's like, no, convinced I have to put more first serves. I'm like, that's our disagreement. So when you were little, did you know right away you wanted to turn pro because she already kind of had done this path before you or was it harder for you as a junior? Well, I was good, but I was not that good, you know. I mean, if you check my juniors ranking, I was like 230, my highest. I think I'm one of the few players that have made it here without being a good junior. Um, So it's not like I was, uh, you know, super good or I'm like, I'm going to make it for sure. I told my mom when I was 18, I'm just going to make a a try uh, going to Spain and just train there and see if when I'm 22, haven't made, you know, um, made it or feeling that I can make it, I will just do something else. And, you know, 22, that's a good, that's a good amount. Yeah. What, what, what else would you do? Well, trust me, my mind never stops thinking. I have a lot of things that I want to do in, um, (laughs) in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of a lot of things that I can do outside of tennis, of course, and, or including tennis and, um, you know, I feel like I'm capable of doing other stuff, which makes me also quite happy about it. And I'm not just tennis, tennis, tennis. So, um, I think I would find something fun to do. My last question, you know, do you realize how different your game is compared to other players? The heavy spin, the big serve, you know, you have such an aggressive, powerful, physical game. How big of an advantage is that, especially on clay? The good thing about my game is that, you know, when once I step on a different surface, I can, you know do some adjustments. Let's say here, of course, I use more my forehand. Um, maybe on the hard court, I use more, you know, I don't ter- like run around so much. But the thing that has improved a lot in my game is my serve, because we worked a lot, that it's giving me, you know, like a good, how can I say it? Um, I'm more relaxed when I play, when I know that I can serve it out, or when I know that I can rely on my serve a little bit more than before. Um, but of course, my main main um, thing is my physicality. Then, you know, I feel like I can stay on court forever, which is good. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, best of luck. Thank you so much Thanks. for your time. Thanks a lot. See ya. Bye. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, everyone, we just heard from Maria Sicari. Irina, what's your initial take on Maria and have you ever played her? I'm not sure that you have, but you've seen her play, obviously. I have seen her play, and she is by far one of the most physical players I think I've ever seen on court. Um, I'm sure that if you've seen Maria Sakari, the first thing you think of is, wow, she's jacked. I've had people from all over kind of tell me like, oh my gosh, I saw this girl. She's so jacked. I was like, yep, she was on TV. Yep, that's Maria Sakari. Has to be. She stands out as one of the most jacked players on tour, and you can tell from her game that she works so hard to be physical, and that's how she wins so many matches. 
I also love her personality. She's really nice. And that's something that even though we're doing interviews now through Zoom and Microsoft Teams and all that, you can still see her like smile. And I just, I really like her personality. And I also like her coach, Tom Hill, who I've met because he used to be an internet tennis channel. And that just makes me so happy. Uh, he worked with Daniel Collins and then he moved on to work with Maria. They've been going on for two years now. He's super young. He's 25, the same age as Maria. So my first topic of debate here, what do you think about having a coach that young, your age, maybe even younger? What's your thought? To be honest, I have gotten to the point where if it works, it works. I mean, they, he was 23 when they met. Clearly something is working for them because she's done exceptionally well with him. I know that she was working with an older coach before Tom. So obviously like she's a very good player. Um, and yeah, you can tell that she gets along with him. And sometimes it's actually better to have someone that knows the current game because if you have people that come in and they're a coach that is from an old school era, if you will, they kind of have these instilled ways of thinking that they don't really want to change, as I'm sure you've seen. Uh, and so having someone that's fresh, young eyes can sometimes be very refreshing. I do see how younger coaches are super eager. They're eager to learn, eager to watch, eager to take notes, while older coaches might not be as uh, flexible with their time, maybe more set in their ways of, you know, relaxing and unwinding and, and doing things that they prefer to do than watch tennis all day. But I think having too young of a coach can be a big problem. Things can get awkward, especially when it's a guy and a girl. Maybe I'm a little old fashioned here, but I think there could be some like weird tension and weird problems when someone is your age and then listening to them, especially if you're having a bad swing, a bad match, a bad, a bad practice. You've seen all those mid-match uh, player coach moments like it can get really awkward and I think an older person would be have an easier time disciplining and you know telling the player what to do and how to do it without any pushback pros and cons to both but I don't know I when I was when I was playing like I think my coach was 15 years older and then obviously college a lot older and I mean I know you've worked with all kinds of people but like when we were kids I don't know the coaches were always to me like they seem so old looking back they're probably like 27 when we were teenagers <laughs> yeah I mean it's just it's so interesting because like you said they're just so instilled in their ways I remember one coach that I was working with in particular and I told him that I'm the kind of player that really really likes it when a coach is involved and eye contact and like I want to know that you're there with me and he looked at me he was just like do you really think that so-and-so would tell Yvonne Lendl this like I'm not gonna do that and I was just like okay that I mean what do you say to that um and so it's it's just so strange because tennis is one of the only sports where you're the boss but you also have a coach that you want him to be the boss but he can't be too much of the boss because you're still the one that's playing out there uh, yeah, so it's a very interesting and unique dynamic. I like what you said in the beginning, though. You said whatever works, works. I mean, chemistry is a huge part. I think we're talking about women more here than men. You see the coaches switching. The, the coaching carousel is so constant because sometimes things just don't click. So it doesn't even matter how old you are. I just think, you know, it, the way that Maria explains it, it she, they seem like they're all like a good little troop of friends, which is super fun, especially this year when things have been so crazy. I could see how younger coaches and younger physiotherapists and younger players can kind of adapt. And then she also, another similar point, is having your parent as a coach. Initially, her mom, Angeliki, was a former top 50 player. People don't talk about this enough. That's so crazy. And she didn't really coach her that much, but her grandfather coached her mom and coached her. 
What do you think about having a parent or any family member coaching you? Yeah, that's a, I think that's a debate that we could go on for hours and hours. I mean, you hear horror stories of parents that are just absolutely insane and that, that just constantly push their children. And you have other stories where parents kind of let off a little bit and the child blooms. I mean, I can think of so many right off the top of my head. You have Wozniacki, you had Hengis, you had Serena. I mean, there's so many players that have had success with having a parent. And then you have other situations like you and me, for example, where we were coached by our dads for the longest, longest time, but them actually letting go and being like, all right, now I have to actually give it to a professional because both of our parents didn't really know how to get to that next level. I mean, I think there's a lot of, there's just so many dynamics to it because you also have to have that. Like a balance? You, you'd want to make sure that you don't lose being a father. You want to make sure that you continue being a father and it's not just a tennis coach. And I think it takes a very, very mature parent and a parent that understands the cons of what can happen if you do coach your child. And uh, as you, as we saw recently, um, Serena put Olympia and she's taking tennis lessons and she was like, I'm going to walk away. You know, I'm not going to be that like overbearing parent and We'll see how long, if, if it's actually true, but. I mean, when I look at the top 10 men's and women's, for me, Stefano Tsitsipa stands out because his dad is always in his box and Sophia Kennan because her dad is always in her box and by her side. It kind of seems like it's working for both of them, obviously, they're top 10 and they're young. But when someone's like 25, 28, 30, and their mommy or daddy is in the box, like, you know, freaking out, I don't know if I'm that comfortable with that. I think at some point you got to let it go. But what I also find interesting is that most of the player-parent combinations, the parent was not a former pro. Like Taylor Fritz's mom doesn't coach him. Uh, Maria Sakari's mom doesn't coach her. But then we have all these other people who are like recreational, like our parents or our dads were. And they're the ones that are trying to coach. So I think it's not as much coaching as it is guiding. And that relationship has been built for so long that the player wants the parent to be there. Almost like a manager more than a coach. That's the vibe I get. I always tell this to people. I'm like half the battle of finding a coach per se. It's not necessarily finding someone that knows tennis. It's just having someone in your corner. And I know you have someone like Wozniacki who's just had her parents there all like this whole time, like doesn't matter what, but they're always there. And it's just, it's a support team, like you said. And you have Serena with her mom and her sisters and there's just so many things that can come confidence wise if you know that your parents and your family is there and may not work for other players. So it just it, it just depends on the personality and who you are. I mean, for a while, though, you traveled with your fiance, Travis Hartman. So like he wasn't a coach in any capacity. He's more of a fitness trainer, but he was your main person on the road day in and day out. Right. Yeah. And at one point I, I won my biggest title and uh, it was in Colombia. It was a WTA title where they allowed on-court coaching and he didn't come on court one time because he just he's like, what am I going to say to you? Like, what am I going to say? And so just having someone there, uh, I tell this to everyone, um, especially girls that are on the ITF tour that they can't really afford coaches that are good coaches because the good coaches are with the top 100, top 50 players. 
So it, it's a catch 22 because they don't really have the money to spend on the coach. Um, but then if you don't want to spend that much money, you're going to get someone that's probably not as highly qualified. Uh, so I always tell people, I'm like, if you don't have a coach that you can travel with, just have someone that you just trust, like with absolutely everything that's just going to be in your corner, no matter what. I agree. I've seen combinations where like friends will come on court for on-court coaching or and girlfriend or boyfriend will come on. I mean, it, I think it's all about whatever works in certain situations and each person is different. We don't know what's going on with Stefanos and his dad all the time. Obviously, we can only judge from what we see. So it, it is what it is. And I think each case is different. But another topic that stands out to me from my chat with Maria, obviously I caught up with her a few weeks ago and she'd end up losing in the third round of the French Open she felt going in, she's going in with the intent to win the tournament, not just to make the third round. And in looking back, I'm like, yeah, of course you could have won. Anyone could have won that tournament, like literally anyone. So what's what was your mentality going into tournaments? Is going in with the intent to win the whole thing the right way to do it? 100%. When she said that, I was like, yeah, why, why else do you go to a tournament? You don't just go there and be like, oh, I hope I win a few matches. And I still remember clear as day. I was in, uh, I was in college, I was at Georgia Tech, and it was... I think a few months in and I still didn't really know my teammates very much. And uh, we were going to a tournament and I was like, so are you ready to like win this upcoming tournament? And we were all like playing in them. And I, I just told that to one of my teammates. She's like, oh, it's just, I just hope I can win a round or two. And I was like, what? Like who actually goes with the intention to just win a round or two? It's like, no, you want to win. That's what you're there for. That's what you want to compete for is for the title. So when she said that, I was like, yep, that's why she's, that's where she's at. And that's why she's been doing so well, because with the right mentality, I mean, I understand where it can be a little bit of a pressure, but at the same time, you just have to go out there with, I'm going to win this match. I think I see it a lot more in higher ranked players, as you said, Maria's top 20. So the mentality makes sense for someone that level. I do see sometimes younger players or newer players just going in, trying to gain experience, trying to grow, hoping to make second week, hoping to beat so-and-so opponent and it's a bit more small-minded I think when you get so much rank so much higher you get you start to think big and I like that she's thinking big I think she's definitely a threat for Grand Slams still someone that I really enjoyed chatting with and touched on some really good points particularly young coaches parents as coaching and going into win so I hope that everyone got something out of this and Irina thank you and uh thanks everyone for listening thanks guys from the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, this has been the Tennis.com Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay caught up. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major listening app, as well as Tennis.com slash podcasts. You can also see the videos of our episodes on Tennis Channel's YouTube page and Tennis.com's Facebook page. We're your hosts, Nina Pantic and Irina Falcone. We'd like to thank our team editor and audio designer and video editor Christina Koseva, producers Alexa March and Sean O'Malley, and executive producers Shelby Coleman, Kyle Einhorn, and Andy Chu.